It's on the way. It's on the way. This was a phrase our family used to say quite often, especially around Christmas time. We would wait till the very last second to buy the presents, to wrap the presents, and literally on Christmas Day, we would be wrapping the presents to put them under the tree. And we would ask the question, hey, did you get my present? It's on the way, it's on the way. It was kind of a, a faith statement, a victory statement, a Doherty statement. It's on the way, you got, it's on the way. I remember uh, our family, we would leave from mom and dad's house to go to Arkansas and all of us had to meet over there. And so John would be coming from football practice or weight room uh, workouts and I'd be coming from being at a friend's house. Sarah and Caleb, they lived, my sister, in, in, a, in another house, so they had to drive there. And mom and dad, we'd all be calling each other. How close are you? I'm on the way. I'm on the way. Usually on the way meant we were still at the house waking up. Mom was still putting on her makeup. I remember my dad used to call my mom when he was, you know, overcoming impatience. He'd say, hey, hey, honey, how close are you? I'm on the way, honey. I'm on the way, which meant she was still putting on the makeup. She was getting ready. It was a faith statement. I'm on the way, but I don't know how close on the way means. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about where you're kind of like guessing how close is on the way? Like, what are we talking here? 20 minutes, 30 minutes? And uh, oftentimes, when we're waiting on a, a promise or waiting on a miracle, we think and we, we believe we're holding on to that thought that God's gonna do it. It's on the way. We just don't know when it's gonna happen. We don't know the timing of when it's gonna come to pass. And I think about how Mary and Joseph, they were holding on to a promise from God. Here, Mary was pregnant with baby Jesus. She was nine months pregnant when they started this journey. They had been married just about four months. Mary and Joseph got married halfway through the pregnancy term. And here they are walking towards Bethlehem. Now we read the Bible and we know the end of the story. And this is how most of us think that, yeah, every character in the Bible, they knew how it was all gonna work out. They knew, they didn't have Bibles. They were, they were the Bibles being written back then. They were the stories being told. They had to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. So here Mary and Joseph are walking down this path from Nazareth to Bethlehem. To put things in perspective, this is a 90-mile uphill, downhill, winding, windy, uh, 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 rainy season. The winters of the Middle East can get extremely hot in the middle of the day and extremely cold as it gets closer at night. 90 miles... They don't have a private jet. They don't have a helicopter, an airplane, a car, or a train. We don't even know if they have a donkey. We assume they had a donkey, but the Bible doesn't say. All it says is they had to walk, and Mary was nine months pregnant, walking 90 miles. Most people agree that they would walk 10 miles a day. That's a nine-day road trip, and they're newlyweds. And we think sometimes that everyone in the Bible that God chose to use was perfect. They didn't have a flaw. They never were frustrated, never had a fear, never worried about anything, never messed up, never felt uh, uh, inadequate. But the truth is God loves choosing imperfect people. I mean, the question is, can God be born in a dysfunctional family? Can God come to maybe people who don't have it all together, who are still learning to trust in God? And here we see a story of a man and a woman, and let's not miss their humanity. I mean, they were human just as you and I were. There was nothing divine about Joseph or Mary. It was that God supernaturally interrupted their humanity with his divinity. He showed up in Mary, and yet they were still human. And so they're walking down this 90-mile path, and you just gotta imagine as Mary's feet are swollen, 
and she's walking, holding her belly. And Joseph's walking over here, trying to figure out how are we gonna pay the bills? I mean, we're walking towards an unexpected bill, a tax we gotta pay that I wasn't ready for, a child on the way that I wasn't ready for. I gotta raise the son of God. How am I supposed to raise the son of God? Uh, uh, all of these questions. And I just imagine maybe 80 miles in, right? On the eighth day, they've been walking through this desert. And by the way, the desert that they walked through, this path, was the same path Jesus referred to in the story of the Good Samaritan where the Good Samaritan was robbed by robbers. This was a robber's den. This was an area where pirates of the desert would come and loot travelers who were walking through this path towards Bethlehem. So Joseph is having to watch out for Mary, not to mention wild animals roamed in Israel back then, lions, tigers, bears, oh my, wild boar. Here he is watching, looking out. It's getting darker. He's starting to think about the trip ahead, how are we gonna get through this? How am I gonna pay the bills? They're 10 miles to Bethlehem, eight, 80 miles in, eight nights walking. Mary lays down her head to go to sleep and Joseph is sitting up, keeping watch that night. I just imagine Joseph looking up at the sky and just thinking about how this is all gonna work out. Just wondering, God, are you, gonna, are you gonna come through for me and Mary? Is it all gonna work out? Will there be provision? Will there be the grace that I need, the mercy that I need, the, the strength that I need to do this? God, I wasn't ready for this. I mean, you gotta just put yourself in Joseph's shoes if they had shoes back then walking through the desert. But just imagine yourself in his place. maybe even having a hard time communicating with Mary. I mean, I've never met a couple that didn't have to work through conflict. Not every couple's conflict is the same, but every couple has to deal with stuff. And I just wonder if Joseph was sitting there, maybe even thinking about what family members and friends had said to him before he decided to change his mind. Maybe they were saying, Joseph, you don't have to do this. Joe. This ain't your baby. You don't have to raise him. You can let Mary go on. You can, you can divorce her. You can leave her. Joseph's sitting there and he's saying, no, no, I, I'm committed. I'm in, God. But I don't know the end of this story. And I'm hoping and I'm praying and trusting that you're going to help us because I could really use some help. I could really use some help, God. Mary's three feet away from him with her back turned, acting like she's asleep. You know how ladies act like they're asleep. And she's quietly crying. The kicks are picking up. The pain is increasing. Nine months pregnant, 80 miles of walking and 10 miles to go. Oh God. God, I trust you. But I'm just hoping, God, I'm hoping for strength. I'm hoping we're going to make it. Lord, I'm hoping we're going to get through this. I'm hoping our, our marriage is going to make it. I'm hoping, 
for provision, God. Me and Joseph, we don't have wealthy family members. We don't come from rich homes. God, we need, we need help to pay the bills. We need help to pay for our, this child. Mary's a teenager. Just imagine the fear, the turmoil, the emotions as she's laying there that night. And we don't even hear about the family of Joseph or Mary. We don't hear about their parents, their grandparents. And I wonder if the reason we don't hear is because maybe they were embarrassed to help them. Maybe they were kind of standoffish, a little judgmental, going, this doesn't make sense, Joseph. Why are you marrying this girl who's pregnant with another person's baby that she claims to be from God? Maybe the parents, the grandparents, the uncles, the aunts, the brothers, the sisters, maybe they just didn't want to have anything to do with them. It's amazing that Joseph was heading to his hometown. Everyone had to go back to their hometown. Surely there were relatives coming, but where were they? Why was there no room in the inn? Why did they have to go and have a baby in a manger with animals? Have you ever thought about where was the family members there to help them? But you know what's amazing is when earthly dads don't show up with provision, we have a heavenly father who does. Joseph must have been looking at the sky going, God, I could really use some help right now. I could really use some help right now. Maybe scoot closer to Mary because oftentimes when your family rejects you, you draw closer to your spouse. When people, it's crazy that it took Mary and Joseph leaving their comfort zone to go to a place that was uncertain, to, to move in a journey that wasn't necessarily filled with all, all, all the opportunities and all the secure protection and secure provision. They were walking towards a story that was uncertain for them. They didn't see the end. And sometimes God has to move us out of a comfort zone. Sometimes God has to transition us out of something that we were used to and away from voices that were maybe negative so that way we can finally hear his voice. And sometimes we despise the desert. Here they are in the middle of the desert. This wasn't a one-night journey. This was a nine-night journey. And that's if they're making 10 miles a day. Here they are in the middle of the desert. And this is where a lot of people get stuck. A lot of people allow the wilderness, the desert, the moments where they're not sure how things are gonna turn out, they allow this to cause them to go on a detour. People get wandering. This is what happened to the Israelites in Exodus. They walked out of Egypt. They were headed towards a promised land. There was a promise in front of them. They just had to get there. The promise was waiting for them. It was on the way and they got stuck in a detour. They started moving side to side. For 40 years, they were detouring away from the path that they should have been walking on. This is what happens to so many believers. A circumstance hits us, a doctor's report. Someone files for divorce, something happens we weren't counting on, a new tax, a new bill, something that we weren't prepared for, a new baby, uh, 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 the inability to have a baby. We walk into a circumstance and we're going, God, I wasn't ready for this. And we start walking sideways instead of forward and then what happens oftentimes is that in the desert is not just the detours but the distractions we get distracted other people start experiencing blessing other people start experiencing success other people start getting their miracle it was it was on the way and it came sooner for them and when it comes sooner for them we start to get distracted and then oftentimes what happens to a lot of people is we become defeated on the inside defeated It'll never happen. I'll never see my breakthrough. The miracle, the provision, it's not gonna, 
We, be, we accept defeat, detoured, distracted, defeated, and we get stuck in this desert and, and the circumstances have weighed us down that we don't see that God has something in store if we'll just keep walking. And so many of us are sitting there looking at the sky and Joseph's looking up there just crying saying, God, I, I don't know what's gonna happen up ahead. And 10 miles later, he's knocking on doors and trying to find someone to help him and no one's letting him in. Every door keeps getting shut in his face. Have you ever been there before where every door seems to be shutting in your face? Have you ever cried so much that you couldn't cry anymore? I've been there before. After my dad passed, man, I cried so many nights. My mom cried, our family cried so much we couldn't even cry anymore. But I wonder if it's in our weakness that God is saying, this is my time to shine. Because Paul said, when I am weak, his strength is made perfect. His grace is sufficient for me. See, God doesn't want us to hate the desert seasons. He doesn't want us to despise the wilderness. He wants us to hold on to hope, to hold on and look to him and, and, and to understand that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Joseph and Mary are knocking, hoping someone's going to let them in. And finally, someone says, down there where the animals are, you can stay in the caves. And I've been there. I went on a mission trip with my parents to Israel. And we went to Bethlehem. We saw where the caves were, where, where they supposed the area was that Jesus was born. It was on the outskirts of the city. It wasn't glorious. It wasn't beautiful. Here they are surrounded by animals. And they're in this cave and looking up at the sky again, looking at the stars. God, we still got to pay that tax. We're still behind on the bills. We just got to Bethlehem. I don't have a job. God, are you there? Hello? Hello? Are you there? What Joseph didn't realize was on the other side of the desert, there were three wise men looking up at the sky. God, who do you want us to bless? Just point us in the direction. Show us who we're supposed to bless this Christmas. Just show us where to bring the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. God puts a star in the sky and he leads these wise men to this young couple, Joseph and Mary, with a newborn baby that they don't have the money to pay for education. They don't know how they're gonna make it, but God had already provided the provision. It was already lined up. He was just waiting for Joseph and Mary to get to the spot where the prophecy would be fulfilled. God's already lined up. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Where God guides, He provides. Where God directs, He protects. What God calls you to do, He's provided the grace for you to do it. And three things I want you to think about with this passage. Three things Joseph and Mary had to do to overcome the fear of how it was going to happen. Number one, you got to keep trusting in God's Word. Keep trusting in God's word. I imagine Joseph and Mary walking, maybe not talking much, maybe having to overcome some conflict there. But Mary's squeezing Joseph's hand. Joseph, remember God's word. Remember what the angel said. Nothing is impossible 
nothing is impossible for God. We're going to make it, Joseph. We're going to get through this. His mercy, it goes from generation to generation. Mary's reminding Joseph of the scriptures. Joseph is standing there and he's saying, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, I remember my great, 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 great grandfather, King David. He wrote a, he wrote a word one time in Psalm 30, verse 5. He said, though weeping may last for the night, his joy is on the way. His provision is on the way. It's coming in the morning. Church, I wish I could figure out how long the night was going to last. When David said, though weeping may endure for the night. Sometimes the night seems forever. Sometimes the night goes on month after month after month. And you're just wondering, is there light at the end of the tunnel? But David said it, Psalm 30, verse 5. Though weeping may endure for a night, his joy comes in the morning. No matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're facing, you just look up at the sky and keep trusting in God's word. Joy is coming. It's coming. It's peace is on the way. Whatever you need this Christmas, whatever you're believing for, maybe you're walking into a hostile environment. Maybe you're walking into a, a, a situation of lack. Maybe you don't have enough money to pay for the presents. Maybe you're walking into something that just seems impossible. You hold on to the word. Those wise men, they couldn't see the stars if they were staring at the floor. If they were looking at the camel's bottom, they would have missed the place that they were called to go. You got to look up and realize God's word still stands true true from generation to generation his word never fails he's placed a star in the sky to remind you his promises are yes and amen <sighs> Joseph we're gonna make it I don't know how but we're the provisions coming on the other side of the desert these wise men are saying okay God you've blessed us to be a blessing we got gold we got Frank did you know that when the wise men found Jesus the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Most theologians believe that that was the gold. They didn't just give him a copper coin. They gave him a bag of gold. I mean, the most expensive perfumes. It was enough. Most people believe it was enough to cover Joseph and Mary's trip down to Egypt and back and the money to pay for Jesus' education as a child growing up. But if you're not careful, you might see the wise men show up to somebody else's house and get distracted going, hey, God, where's my whole person scholarship? Hey, God, where, how come you're blessing this family? How come they got blessed? How come the wise men, you do miss the wrong address. The wise men were supposed to come to my house. Hey, they're coming. It's on the way. If you'll celebrate your neighbor, God will make sure that your wise men show up on the right time, at the right day, in the right moment. It doesn't always happen when we want it. He's never early and he's never late, but he's right on time. Trust in God's word. He's faithful. Number two, keep moving in God's plan. Keep moving. So many people get stuck in the desert because the circumstance paralyzes them with fear. And so we stop moving. We stop moving towards the miracle. We just freeze. We fall. We, we feel tired. We feel exhausted. God, I've prayed. I've, I've, I've tried. I've showed up to church. I've tithed. And I'm tired of doing it. I'm done. I'm done giving. I'm done serving. I'm done praying. I'm done. And we stop moving. We stop moving in God's plan. But what you don't realize is that you're 10 miles from Bethlehem. And if you'll move towards Bethlehem, God's going to meet you there with the provision. See, the prophecy was told that the babe must be born in Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary didn't even put it all together. I mean, there's nothing that we could know that they had all of it figured out, that they knew the end from the beginning. But God did. 
Zoom out with me for a second. God did. Joseph and Mary are walking. If we can just get to Bethlehem, I think God might have a plan. And on the other side of the desert, God's leading the wise men. Just get to Bethlehem. Just get to, just get to Bethlehem. I think about the story of Abraham and Isaac. Genesis 22, verse 1, God said, Abraham, take your son, your one and only son, Isaac. Take him to the mountain, and when you get to the mountain, you're going to sacrifice your son. Abraham says, okay, I'll obey. He tells his servants, me and the boy, we're going to go worship the Lord, and we'll be back. I love that. Abraham was speaking by faith. We're coming back together. In other words, my son's coming back with me. And on the inside, he's battling. I don't know how God's going to provide, but God, God gave me the son, and he's going to provide. It's going to happen. He's walking towards the mountain, just trusting. Isaac looks up at dad. He says, Abraham, dad, he doesn't call him Abraham. He says, dad, where's the sacrifice? We walk by faith and not by sight. Abraham's closing his eyes. It's coming. God will provide. Don't worry, son. It's coming. What Abraham and Isaac didn't see is on that same mountain, but the other side was this little ram walking. And I think the ram was listening to God's voice. God could see higher. He was zoomed out. He was looking at both sides of the mountain. And as Abraham and Isaac took one step, God said to the ram, go ahead and take another step. As Abraham and Isaac were moving to the top of the mountain, God said, okay, ram, keep moving. Because God had a plan to bring the provision at just the right moment that they would need it. And when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son, God said, stop. I provided for you a ram in the thicket. And Abraham named that place Jehovah Jireh. My God shall provide all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I remember one Christmas when I was a young boy, me, my brother, my two sisters. We didn't know, but mom and dad had given away all their money, all their savings, all their check-ins. They had given it all to help build the school building right next here where we would have services in there and at the Maybe Center. And they had given all their money and we were headed into Christmas. They didn't have money to buy us Christmas presents that year. And they started praying, mom and dad. And I found this story out years later, but they were praying, Lord, Please move on grandma and grandpa and Nana's hearts to make Christmas happen this year for our kids. It's amazing. They didn't even have to tell grandma and grandpa. God just showed up. Sometimes the wise men, let's just be honest, the wise men are sometimes grandmas and grandpas <laughs> or unexpected strangers that come up to you and say, you know, God laid it on my heart to give you this check. That was one of the best Christmases we had. Grandma showed up. Thank you, Grand Grand and Nana, Papa. They didn't even know, but God knows. God knows. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're waiting on, but I just want you to know God says it's on the way. Keep moving. And the last point right here, keep expecting God's miracles. Keep trusting in God's word. Keep moving in God's plan. Keep expecting God's miracles. My friend Cynthia, she was here at church and she had come to Tulsa to go to ORU and go to church at Victory and she was serving here and she was helping out and going to ORU and she became a teacher and she was praying, Lord, I, I would love to get married one day. Lord, I would love to have an awesome husband one day that loves you, that serves you, a man after your own heart. 
23, 24, still praying the same prayer. God, I'm thankful to be a bridesmaid, but I would love to be a bride. (laughs) Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Going to so many weddings, watching her friends get married left and right, watching her friends have children while she remains single. (sighs) Watching her siblings get married. Age 29, age 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. God, I'm 34, it would be awesome. Be great, Lord, I've been praying. I've stayed single, Lord, I've been waiting. I've been praying and God, I'm trusting. That's not a sad single, that's a happy single right there. There's one way to wait and there's another way to wait. She was waiting, trusting in God, saying, God, I'm gonna stay content even though I'm walking through my own wilderness on the inside. 35, 36, 37, still single. What Cynthia didn't realize is that on the other side of the world, in a country named Ireland, God was crafting another man named Mark Murphy, building Mark's muscles, getting Mark stronger in the word, teaching Mark how to trust in God, how to keep plowing even when he doesn't see the harvest, how to keep believing even when he hasn't seen the answer to his prayers. And and Mark was 29, 30, 31, saying, God, I, I would really love to marry a woman after your own heart. God, I've been praying. I'd like to marry someone that I can do ministry with, that we can go on missions with. And Mark's 34, 35, 36, 37, walking up the mountain. While Cynthia's walking up one side, Mark's walking up the other. And finally, around age 38, 39, they finally met. Today, they've been happily married for five years, doing ministry together. Somebody say, it's on the way. It's on the way. Your kids are coming back to God. Your marriage is turning around. The finances are coming through. The breakthrough's on the way. Your healing is on the way. Your victory is on the way. But you gotta keep trusting in God's word. You gotta keep moving in God's plan. You gotta keep expecting God's miracles. Mary and Joseph had to just keep walking. Abraham and Isaac had to just keep walking. The provision was coming. I feel to tell someone right now who's financially hurting, your provision is on the way. Your provision is on the way. In our last service, there was a woman who was sitting out there crying all through the service. She said, I felt like Mary looking up at the sky, going, God, I could really use some help right now financially, single mom. She got a text in the middle of the service from someone who has owed her money for the last few years and hasn't paid her. And the person sent the text and said, the check's coming your way for $2,000 this week. She got a text in the middle of the service. She didn't have the money for this week, but God showed up at just the right time. He's already lined up your provision. He's already lined up your scholarship. He's already lined up all that you need. My dad wrote a poem 20 years ago, and he, he pinned it down. He wrote, where God guides, he provides. Where God directs, he protects. What God calls you to do, he graces you to do it. He wrote a whole bunch of other stuff too, but the main point was this. God's got, God's got you covered. He's got it lined up. You just gotta trust in him. You gotta lean not to your own understanding. Keep moving in his plan. Keep expecting his promises no matter what it looks like. I wanna invite my two friends up here, Ryan and Alyssa, because they walked through a situation where they were coming up a mountain, walking through the night, And they had to trust that God was going to bring the promise in the morning. Give them a big hand. Thank you. Um, So I've I've been at Victory my whole life. And I went to school here. And my wife and I got married. And we have have a a daughter. She's three. And um, 
we got pregnant, we were gonna have a little boy, and uh, so everything was, was great, and uh, go to the hospital to have the baby. I mean, everything was great for me. She was obviously not as comfortable as I was. But uh, we went to the hospital to have the baby, and um, he was born, and uh, everything, you know, seemed, seemed normal. He was born as they, as they pulled him out. They, they started patting him on the back, trying to get him to take a breath. And he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't take a, a real breath. He was just trying to breathe real hard, real fast. And um, there was three nurses in the room, and then there were six nurses, and then there were doctors, and then there were nine, and then there was, you know, people everywhere. And, um, you know, they, they took him from us, and they said, you know, we're going to take him in this other room. And so I, I said, I'm going with you. So I, you know, I went with them and hooked him up to a breathing machine, and they were trying to blow air into his lungs to get him to take a breath. And he just wouldn't do it. He was just working really hard and, and really trying to trying to take that first deep breath. And um, they said, we're going to keep him in the, in the NICU overnight, and he, he's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. He's going to take that breath. And so we were obviously in there with him through the night and then back in our room and back and forth. And so when we went back in the next morning uh, together, you know, they, they started trying to get us to leave and all these doctors were rushing around and you know we're what's going on and they said well you know his lungs collapsed um and he's he's not breathing and you know we just you know fear just just takes hold of you and just grips grips your spirit and you, you know you think you're losing your son or or whatever in that situation and so we obviously didn't see the miracle right then you know he was there were doctors everywhere and and they had to you know, punch a hole in his, in his chest to try to get him to breathe and, and lift his lungs back up. And it was just so hard. We were just praying and, and we were speaking to him and they wouldn't even let us close to him. And um, you know, we were just, we were praying for the doctors and praying and we were just crying and, and, you know, and praying. And you know, God showed up and it, it wasn't immediate, right? We didn't see just boom, right there, he's healed, let's leave. It was. We were in the in the NICU with him for over 20 days, and so it was a process. We didn't we didn't see the the miracle at that moment, but we had faith and we believed, and we had people praying for us. We had our volunteer group, we had the church, and you know, people were with us. And so it was it was definitely the hardest thing we've ever walked through, and it obviously brought us closer. But you know, my son is is whole and healthy, and he's has no no lasting damage, and and. I'm, I'm having trouble keeping up with him already, so he's he's a little tank, so. Um, when I was about five or six months pregnant, Ryan and I were, you know, kind of going back and forth on baby names, and we had a few that we liked and couldn't really decide on one, and, you know, I stayed up really late one night. Sometimes it's hard to sleep when you're pregnant, and the name uh, Orly popped into my head, and thought, hmm, that's unique. Uh, is this even really a name? So I got out our computer and, you know, Googled the name Orly, and it actually is a Hebrew word, and it, and it's, it is a name, and it means that uh, I am the Lord's and he is mine. God gave me that name before I knew what we were going to walk through, you know, and, and God claimed him as his own. He wrote his name down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and when we were going through our situation and you know, fighting for our son's life, I, God already knew, and God already saw the victory. And, you know, the scripture came to my mind, you know, he will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord from Psalm 118. And I just knew that I'm not seeing it 
in the natural, but Lord, you're working in the supernatural on our behalf for our son. You're not gonna bring us this far. You're not gonna bring this baby into the world to give up on him now. You've already given us the name and we're gonna see it and walk through it and see the victory. And praise God, it wasn't instantaneous, but we did. We saw the victory. Our son's lungs work perfectly. His brain works perfectly. He's walking, he's running. He's a healthy, happy baby. And he's our miracle. And I just thank God for the testimony. Praise God, this is their baby right here coming up, little Orly. Miracle man, Orly. Praise God, give them a big hand one more time. Somebody say, it's on the way, it's on the way, it's on the way. Just nudge your neighbor, your miracle's on the way, man. Your breakthrough's on the way. Church, right now, God wants you to believe for a miracle. Expect, a, we, need, we don't need to go into Christmas with fear. We don't need to go into Christmas with anxiety. We don't need to go into Christmas with depression. We need to go into Christmas with great expectations. His goodness and his mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. They're hunting for me. They're searching for me. It might be on the far side of the desert, but favor's on the way. The publisher's coming. The connections are coming. The job is coming. The baby is coming. The healing is coming. The kids are coming. The church, the ministry, the breakthrough, the finances, the provision, it's coming. Church, when I look at something that looks impossible, you just need to know the kind of pastor I am. Every week, AJ knows, whatever I see, the finances are, I always say, my God shall provide all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Our best days are in front of us. We walk in victory. We're gonna see increase. We're gonna see growth. Sometimes you walk through seasons where you don't see the natural turning but you gotta see the supernatural moving underneath the natural. There's something happening. Just because you haven't seen the seed sprout doesn't mean something's not happening underneath the soil, beneath the dirt. God's growing, he's building. It's just a matter of time before the miracle manifests on the outside. You gotta see it in here, see it in here. Expect it, move in his plan. Two of my friends, Holly and David, they walked through two miscarriages. One of them was a stillborn baby. Came out after nine months of walking through a pregnancy. Uh, on the week before Mother's Day, she lost her baby girl. A year later, they got pregnant again and five months in, another miscarriage. What do you do when things don't turn around? What do you do? They just kept walking. They kept moving, they kept praying, they kept forgiving, they kept choosing not to get depressed, not to get stuck in the desert, not to get stuck in the seasons of circumstances. Today, just this past year, they got pregnant again. They walked through the full pregnancy. Two months ago, they had a brand new baby girl. She's healthy, she's whole. They celebrated life. I wanna tell you right now, if you're believing for a miracle, would you stand up? If you're waiting on a miracle to happen in your finances, stand up to your feet. If you're waiting for a miracle to happen in your marriage, in your family, with your children, with your, with your health, in Jesus' name, miracles today. Yeah, wow, wow. Here's what I wanna ask you to do. God said, Mary and Joseph, 
The miracle is waiting in Bethlehem, but you gotta walk towards Bethlehem. It's gonna be a 90 mile journey. You're gonna walk through rain. You're gonna walk uphill, downhill, through windstorms, sandstorms, but you get to Bethlehem. The wise men will meet you there. The gold is on the way. The miracle is on the way, but you gotta move in the direction of God's will, God's plan, God's, God's uh, desires for your life this morning. I want you to make some movement in your life. Those that are really believing for a miracle, step out from your seat. Meet me at this altar right now. All across this room, just move. Move in the direction of faith. Move in the direction of hope. Move in the direction of God's will. In Jesus' name, Romans 8, verse 28, I declare all things are working together for your good. All things are working together for your good, for those who are called, for those who choose to put their faith